Amen. You know, uh, I've been speaking to you the last couple of weeks with regards to kingdom dominion. Uh, I believe you're beginning to understand that we are a people that have dominion. We are not dominated. We dominate. I said we are not dominated. We dominate. I want to share with you something in line with kingdom dominion. But I want to talk to you today about demons, their activities, and deliverance. And someone might begin to think, oh, but Pastor Godwin said um, we don't believe in deliverance. Well, there was no time I said we don't believe in deliverance. We believe in deliverance. I believe in deliverance. But I said to you that a Christian, a believer in Christ has been delivered. And a believer in Christ does not need deliverance. Except if this believer in Christ has touched some things and has dabbled into some things that has op opened him up to the realm of the demonic. But if this believer stays clean and if this believer stays in the love of God, just like the Bible tells us to keep yourself in the love of God. If this believer keeps himself in the love of God, the believer does not need to go through deliverance. Because we were delivered. I just felt that I needed to say that and just bring clarity. Because I don't want people to think that, oh, Pastor God, we said we don't need deliverance. No, if you've done stuff that has opened you up to demons, you need deliverance. But if you've kept yourself in the love of God, you don't need deliverance because you were delivered. He hath delivered us from the control or from the dominion or from the power. The word power there, it's the word in the Greek, exousia, which is right. It is not the same word used in Acts 1.8 when the Bible says, Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. In Acts 1.8, the word power there is dunamis. But, but over here in, in Colossians 1.13... The word power there is exousia, which is right. These are two different words. Amen. In John chapter 1, I believe it's verses 11 and 12. He said, he came unto his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave power. That's the word exousia. The same as in, first, as in Colossians 1.13. Not dunamis. Dunamis in Acts 1.8 is explosive power. But... Colossians 1.13 and John 1 verses 11 and 12 speaks of right. Right? So the right of the devil over you was broken when you gave your life to Jesus. In other words, the devil has no right over your life anymore. Until you gave him the right. Again. Do you understand what I mean? So when I say that Christian does not mean deliverance, this is where I'm coming from. So don't be surprised that I'm teaching today on demons, their activities, and deliverance. And I want to read from the book of Mark chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 21. I want to read this from the Amplified Classic. I need you to pay attention to what I'm about to teach you because it's definitely going to bless you. And I said, Pastor Samdi and Leila are going to be speaking next week. So I will try to finish this today. 
but it is a very huge subject that I can't really do justice to it in one service. But I'm going to try and see how far we can go today. There's a lot to touch when it comes to the subject of demons, when it comes to the subject of um, the activities and deliverance. It's a huge, huge subject, but I'll try to compress it in, into one hour or 15 minutes. But I also want to keep it simple. Everyone says simple. simple. I don't want it complex, complicated. I don't want to get into all the intricacies of demons and, and all of the activities and where they came from. I don't want to get into all the intricacies. But I just want to keep it simple so that everyone here will understand that there are evil spirits and they have a, a desire to bind men. They have a desire to put sickness on people. They have a desire to possess people. They have a desire to bind people. That is their desire. John 10.10, 10, for the thief comes, but for to steal and to kill and to what? Destroy. The threefold activity of Satan, his cohorts, and his agents. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Let's go to our text here in Mark chapter 1. If you found it, say amen. amen. I want to read verse 21. It says, And they entered into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was teaching. What am I doing today? I am teaching. Can someone say amen? You know, I was telling the students that if you look at the ministry of Jesus, most times when Jesus would minister to people, he was teaching them. Yes, there are times you preach, but it's important that we teach. Because in teaching, we explain things and we simplify the complicated. Say it with me, simplify, simplify. The, complicated. the complicated. Some people complicate the simple. But a of the word will take the complicated and simplify it that everyone would understand. And that is what, by the grace of God, when you're anointed to teach the word, you are able to communicate in such a way where everyone understands what the word of God says. You don't want people coming confused and leaving more confused. Instead, you want people coming confused, that is, if they come confused and leaving set free and delivered. Can someone shout amen? amen. So Jesus was teaching, and that's very important, that we are able to teach. One of the requirements that Paul gave to his sons in the faith, Timothy and Titus, when he gave them about 17 different requirements needed to be a leader in the church is ability to teach. He said they must be apt to teach. That's ability to teach. Amen. So Jesus was teaching. Jesus was the greatest teacher. Come on now, say amen. Amen. <coughs> Jesus was the greatest teacher. So Jesus was teaching and he says, and they were completely astonished or surprised at his teaching. For the reason they were surprised at the teaching of Jesus was because he was teaching as one who possessed authority. That was the authority. Jesus was teaching as one who had authority. In other words, when they heard him teach, they could tell the authority of God upon his life. He wasn't timid. He wasn't afraid. He was teaching boldly, but he was teaching with authority. They could tell the difference. 
They've heard other men teach. But when they heard him teach, they knew there was something different about this teacher. Come on now, say amen. amen. That is the authority of the kingdom of God that each of us carry. When we teach, when we teach, the authority of God comes out of us. And when authority comes into the place, then everything that must bow, must bow. Everything that must obey, must obey. Everything that needs to listen, must listen. Everything that needs to fall in place, must fall in place. Because you come with authority of the kingdom of heaven. And when his authority shows up, every activity that's not of God must succumb. Your amen is weak in this place. For he was teaching as one who possessed authority and not as the scribes. Just at that time, there was in their synagogue a man. Everyone say amen. amen. Who was in the power of an unclean spirit. In other words, you can say a man was in the synagogue as Jesus was teaching who was possessed. But you see, when we say to be possessed, we're talking about a situation where someone is owned. I possess you, I own you. This man was owned by demons. Can you see that? Can you see that? We can be possessed by the Holy Spirit or we can be possessed by demonic spirits. The choice is ours. But in the case of this man, he was possessed by an unclean spirit. Everyone say unclean spirit. Evil spirits, demons are unclean. They are not clean. There is nothing about a demon that is clean. There is nothing about demon spirits, evil spirits that's clean. They are filthy. They are dirty. They mess up your life with the filth they carry. So this man was possessed by an unclean spirit. It says, I continue reading, and now immediately he raised a deep and terrible cry from the depths of his throat, saying, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Don't forget, there is a comparison here. Jesus was compared with the scribes. The scribes had taught the people. But there was no authority when they But when Jesus taught, there was authority in his teaching. People in the church are not dumb. People that sit in the congregations are not stupid. They know when you have authority. They know when all you're saying is nothing but odd air coming out of your mouth. They know that even the power, if it's released from you, it's not enough to blow your own nose. They know you're just shouting. They know you don't have it. And some people think it's by all the magic and all the physical exertion that power and authority is displayed. But no, it's not. People are not stupid. They know. So these people who sat here and they heard these men teach could tell these men taught dry messages. But when Jesus showed up, Jesus' teaching was impactful. Jesus' teaching was powerful. Jesus' teaching was with authority. And the authority of heaven was upon him. That is the reason why I told you last week that as born-again Christians, we also carry the same authority as Jesus. Amen. My God, your amen is looking for trouble. Amen. 
So this man, as he sat there with the demons in him, he began to screech. He began to scream. He began to, the Bible says, notice how it says it. He raised a deep, terrible cry from the depths of his throat, saying, what have we to do with you? Or what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Now listen, we know that it was one demon or one demon speaking through this man. Is that correct? Because you can see it says the man was possessed with an, an unclean spirit. So even though it was one spirit speaking, we know that there was more than one spirit in this man. Do you see that? Have you come? This man was possessed with an unclean spirit. But the Bible goes further to say the demon asked, him, asked Jesus, have you come to torment us? How come he's possessed by an unclean spirit? And how come he's now saying us? That is the case most of the time. It is usually one demon that comes in and he becomes the boss of others. It is one demon that usually comes in and when he comes in and he sees that the house is free and the house is accommodating, this one demon invites many others. Do you understand that? It is usually the case. So when you confront this demon, the demon will speak on behalf of the rest. That's what you see. Don't forget the, 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 the legion, right? The, the, the gathering demoniac, the man who was in the tomb. When Jesus came, the Bible says, Jesus asked him, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. My name is Legion, for we are many. My name, not names, my name is Legion, for we are many. So it is usually one demon that opens the door to other demons. <laughs> and before you know it, there are hundreds, thousands of demons living in one person. Are you listening now to me? So this one demon that responded to Jesus was the lead demon. Everyone said the lead demon. Good. Is somebody getting this? Now let's keep reading. It says... I know who you are. So this demon is still speaking to Jesus, right? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, shut up or hush and come out of him. Shut up, hush, come out of the man. Now, I wrote something in my note because what I've seen in the church lately, it's, it's sickening. When it comes to casting demons out, people now, it's become a drama. I was even watching a video lately of this dramatic scene in the church where the man of God or the pastor is talking to this guy who was supposedly possessed. And this guy who was supposedly possessed said to the man, I'm going to deal with you. And the man is on this side responding. How many people have you killed? I've killed 50 people. If you've killed 50 people, when the demon comes out of you, we need to send you to the police. 
What, why, what, what is this drama? You killed 50 people? How did you kill them? So what is all this thing? We don't interact with demons. Jesus said, the man said, I know who you are. Jesus said, shut up. Come out. We, we don't need drama. It's a mess in the African church, unfortunately. It's a mess. Who are you? I am this. Who cares who you are? Shut up and come out. Shut up and come out. Shut up and come out. We don't need the drama. Who wants to interact with a demon, by the way? Who cares about interacting with a demon? Just shut up and I don't even know who you are. I don't want to know who you are. I don't know where you come from. I don't care. Just shut up and come out of this man in the name of Jesus. Where do you come from? This is crazy. What's your name? What's your brother's name? What's... We don't need a drama. Jesus did not need the drama. We've got to do like Jesus did it. Shut up. Come out. Shut up. Come out. Shut up and come out. But no, we, we, we want to show that we are, I'm the man of God. I'll show you I can deal with it. We don't need that. Sometimes what Pastor Corey has done here in this church, when people begin to manifest, he just, Pastor God will take them to the break room and cast the devil out. <laughs> we don't need the drama. Yeah. Take them to the break room and deal with it. I want to preach here. But no, people want to show. I'm the man of God. I can cast devils out, but before I do it, let me interact. What's your name? What's your mama's name? What's your papa's name? Who need all of that rubbish? Where do you come from? I'm not kidding you. I was about 15 years of age when I was involved with my first deliverance, casting devil out. And I was not the one casting this devil out, but I, I needed to help because this girl was manifesting. She has such energy and so they needed some of us to hold her down. So I was just a 15-year-old kid. So they told me to grab her legs. <laughs> so while she was lying on the ground, on the floor in the church, I, I grabbed her legs so that she's not spinning and all of that acrobatics. So, and the, the big, you know, the ones that could care, demon caster outers, they, <laughs> they were... Come out, come out. And while they were telling this devil to come out of her, it seemed like the devil wasn't coming out. Then they stopped. I've never heard this before in my whole life. I was just a new believer. I was 15. I gave my life to Christ when I was about to turn 15, 14 plus. So I heard this man who was casting the demon out ask this, hey, demon, where are you from? <laughs> in actual fact, the first question was, what is your name? And the girl spoke out and told the name, the name of this demon. I, I know the lady's name, but I never knew demons have names. <laughs> Don't forget, I was a 14-year-old kid, okay? So the demon told us his name. Said his name is Sekita. Okay, Sekita. Never forgot. After 14 years, there are some experiences you never forget. But I still remember to this day. 
Demon said, my name is Sekita. And the man asked, where are you from? Demon said, he's from China. <laughs> China. <laughs> the, the, this, the China demon. <laughs> Chinese demon. The, the demon. The demon traveled all the way from China. All the way from China without a passport, without a visa. Did not even buy a plane ticket. And, and flew down to Lagos, Nigeria. Who, who needs to know the name of this demon? Who cares? I don't care about your name. Shut up. Come out. Shut up. Come out. Who cares your name? No, because unfortunately, some people see demons in everything. And when in actual fact, it has nothing to do with demons sometimes. But yeah, many times it does have something to do with demons. But in the case of the microphone, it's just the signal was, was disconnected for a brief moment. <laughs> what is your name? Who cares to know your name? So next time you deal with a demon, I mean with someone who has a demon, don't bother to ask them their name, where they come from. Because listen to me, demons will never tell you the truth in the first place. They never tell you the truth. You think if you ask them where they're from, they're going to tell you where they're from? They're going to lie to you. Jesus said, Satan, the devil is a liar. And he's a father of all lies. He says, whatever he says. Whatever he says. Whatever he says is a lie. Because it's not going to tell you where he's from. If there is 20 in the guy, he's not going to tell you there's 20. He's going to tell you there's two. So when you cast two out, you think you're done. Because when you're dealing with demons, when you're casting them out, depending on the number, you can actually tell when all of them are out of the person. So he's going to tell you there is two. And then you cast two out and you believe, oh, the brother is free. But there is 18 sitting there. He's a liar. Somebody say, shut up and come out in Jesus' name. <laughs> we don't need the drama. We don't need it. We don't need it. And you don't beat demon out of people. That's another problem. You don't beat the devil out. If you understand what I mean. There are places where they beat you until the devil comes out. Oh yeah. But the devil don't come out because you beat the person. They flog you. Flog you. I mean flog you. Hoping the demon will come out. Demons don't come out because you beat the human body. Demons come out because you speak to them in authority in Jesus' name. Jesus says, and the unclean spirit throwing the man into convulsions and screeching with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed and almost terrified that they kept 
questioning and demanding one of another, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? With authority, I want to say authority. He gives orders, even to the unclean spirits, and they obey him. What is this new thing? We've never seen it before. What is this verse reveals to us something very deep. That under the old covenant, no one could cast demons out. You can do, do, go do your study. You would not find one prophet under the old covenant that could cast demons out. In actual fact, God said to them, if you see a witch, if you see a necromancer, if you see a soothsayer, anyone who consults with familiar spirits, stone them to death. Because the only way to expel the demon out of the human body back then was to kill the carrier of the demon. Because no man had authority enough to cast them out. No one had the understanding. That is why when Jesus did this here, the people were amazed because they've never seen it done. They said, what is this new teaching? That with authority, he tells demons and they come out and they come out. Because they've never seen it. So Jesus introduces to us, the New Testament church, the authority of the kingdom of God. That each of us that's born again carry the same authority that Jesus carried. And we can, in Jesus' name, cast out demons. I say we can, in the name of Jesus, cast out demons. It is so possible to do this. In his name, in his name, not in your name. Can someone shout amen? amen. <laughs> now Satan, demons, and evil spirits exist. Period. Whether you believe it or not, doesn't change the fact. They exist. Some people say, no, they don't exist. There, there's nothing like that. Well, it doesn't change the fact. They exist. Are you listening to me? They exist. People are interested in the supernatural. People are interested in the spiritual, so they dabble into astrology. They dabble into fortune telling. They go into witchcraft, to tarot card reading, and, and all of that. And basically, they are playing with fire. If you play with fire, it will burn you. I say, if you play with fire, it's going to burn you. They dabble into all this thing. Uh, I want to know my future. And they go to all the wrong places. And these are the things that open up the door to demons. That's why I told you earlier on. I never said that a Christian does not need deliverance if the Christian dabbles into this stuff. A Christian don't need deliverance if he keeps himself in the love of God. But if a Christian who is supposed to live right and, and begins to mess himself up and go into all this stuff, you might open yourself up to spirits that is not the Holy Spirit. The question has been debated for many, many years. Can a Christian have a demon? And my answer to you might come in different ways. Number one, why do you ask the question? Do you have one? Are you planning to have one? 
No, come on, talk to me. Because when people ask this question, you just have this thought at the back of your mind. Why are they asking this question? Do they have a demon or do they plan to have a demon? Are they doing stuff that might open them up to a demon? Because a Christian who is living right does not bother about demons. Oh my God, sis. A, a believer in Christ who is living right does not care. About, it's not hoping to have a demon. Come on now, say Amen. Now, if you're asking the question because you just want to know so that you might be able to help people, now that's a different story. So my answer to you would be this. What kind of Christian are you talking about here? Are we talking about a Christian who loves Jesus, who is on fire, who is soul winning, who is praying, who is studying his Bible, who is in church regularly, a Christian who loves the Lord with all his heart, a Christian who is living a pure life, a Christian who does not allow his thoughts to be taken over by negative thoughts, a Christian who is walking in the spirit and does not fulfill the desires of the flesh. If that is the kind of Christian you are asking, if he can have a demon, the answer is a capital no. He can't have a demon. Impossible. Demons can't even touch him. Demons can't even come near him. He's burning on fire. And a fire goeth before God and consumes all his enemies. The hills will melt at the presence of God. Because the fire of God burns in your life. And you are surrounded by fire and glory. Demons cannot touch you. A Christian like that cannot have a demon. A Christian like that deals with demons. A Christian like that is afraid. Actual demons are afraid of a Christian like that. He does not walk in fear. He walks in boldness. Come on now, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. But if you're asking the question, because you know somebody who come to church once in a blue moon. You know festivity Christians. Christmas Christians. New Year's Eve Christians. Easter Christians. Uh-huh. Those who come to church and shout hallelujah and they leave on Friday, they go to the nightclub. I'm preaching good now. Don't try to shut me down. I'm preaching good. Say amen if you believe I'm preaching good. Good. So if that's the kind of Christian who has a wife but he has a girlfriend by the side. Ah. Ah. If that's the kind of Christian you're asking me about, that one can have a demon. <laughs> so, so it's, I mean, just common sense. I mean, stop asking this question. Can a Christian have a demon? That's why I answer this question by giving you several examples. Let, let's not deceive ourselves. Galatians chapter 6, it says, God is not mocked. God cannot be deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that he will also reap. He that soweth into the flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. The word corruption is decay. But he that soweth into the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. God cannot be mocked. God cannot be deceived. That is the way it is set up. You give yourself to stuff, you're going to get stuff. And it's going to be good measure. <laughs> Press down, shaking together, and running over. Shall they give to your bosom? For with the same measure, 
you, me you, you measure out, it shall be measured back to you. This is where somebody needs to shout, God help me. Everywhere you go, you find evil spirits binding people. Don't matter the country, don't matter the town, it don't matter the city. Even in the most developed nations of the world, there are demons roaming the streets. There are demons looking for who to enter into. And you see in many places, I was telling the story how I was preaching in, in Warsaw, Poland. Has it been a year since the last time I went? No, no it's, not, it's not been a year. It's been a year. It's been a year. You know, preaching in this church and we did a few days of meeting and then we also do, I was supposed to also do um, RBI graduation for River Church in Warsaw, Poland. And, and in one of the services as I was preaching, there was a young lady who was sitting beside a man. I didn't really know the relationship between her and the man, but it was obvious the man was not her husband because the man was old enough to be her father. But anyways, in the course of preaching, you know, in the middle of my message, I just felt like laying hands on people. You know, I just stopped preaching and began to lay hands on people. Joy, joy. And the joy of the Holy Ghost began to basically break out in the congregation. People began to laugh hysterically. And I went to this lady. I laid hands on her. She began to manifest. But anyway, I leave her. I go back to the pulpit and I continue preaching. Now it just seemed as if the heat was turned on in the house. And as I was preaching, she looked at me. As I turned towards her, she looked at me and she did. <laughs> to me. I am not. Listen, if you think, you. She asked me, she did this to me. White girl. A white girl. Don't think, don't think, oh, civilized countries, my God, there are no demons. There are demons everywhere. <laughs> and when you come in the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. They will manifest in the service. They will manifest. But if you come with religion, if you come with this gospel, that is not gospel according to Galatians chapter 1. If you come with that kind of gospel that is weak and powerless, nothing will happen. Demon possessed people will sit in, the, in your service and nothing will happen. They will not be free because there is no power to set them free. Demons will sit comfortably in your service. Paul, I've said it many times, my preaching and my teaching in the persuasive words of man's wisdom. But they were in the demonstration of the spirit and power. Amen. The preaching of the gospel, it's not in words alone, but it's in power. Amen. We need the power of God yes. to set the captives free. Tell me. I was hot, preaching on fire, preaching like this, man. She did that. Are you serious? And you think somebody like that was in her right mind? No, it, it was not her. It was a demon. And we, we <laughs> don't even let me get into the details, but we, I had to deal with it like the Holy Ghost led me to do I was in, <laughs> a number of years ago, I can't remember, was it four or five years ago? I was in the river church in Ibadan, in, in Nigeria. Pastor Lufemi Ojo. And the place was packed out. We did meetings every day. 
And one of those meetings, has, the place was filled to capacity. And uh, just like I did in, in Warsaw, Poland, I just stopped preaching and I began to lay hands on people. Just went into the congregation. Field, field, field. So the joy is breaking out. People are getting touched all the way to the back. Come back. As I'm coming back, I put my hand on this girl. I did not even know she was in the church that day for the very first time. Was not a member. People knew her in the neighborhood. She was not a Christian. But the moment my hand touched her, she began to manifest. And she wanted to run out. And we grabbed her and kept her on the ground and cast the devil out of her. And I took her by the hand and I took her all the way to the altar. And the whole church was watching. I sit with her and I lead her to Christ. And the Lord totally set her free. Totally, completely delivered. Totally delivered. Now... The service was over. Pastor and uh, myself and the driver, we're walking to the car. And this girl runs towards me. And she says, I want to thank you for coming. You could tell the freedom. You could see the, 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 the expression of liberty that she shared as she told me how grateful she was that I came. We can't tolerate demons in the church we can't make the place so conducive for them we have to heat up we have to make it so hot we have to put it in such a way where when demons show up they will manifest and they will come out of the people can someone say amen, amen. so everywhere you go demons are there inflicting people with sickness Demons are there inflicting people with mental issues. Some of these mental issues that people talk about is nothing but demons. Are you listening to me? You can go to all the doctors, all the psychiatrists you want to meet with in town. They can help you. There is a demon involved. Are you listening to me? Now, I'm not generalizing. I'm not saying in every case. But in many cases, there are demons involved. Are you listening? So they're putting mental issues on people. They are wreaking havoc in, in families. And, and they're, 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 they're causing Christ, uh, children to become rebellious towards their parents. And many more things they do for one reason. To spite God. Because humans are their number one target. Humans are their number one target. There are different levels of demonic influence. I want to say different levels. <laughs> Number one, and I want to run you through these different levels. And we'll get to the last level because the last level is the worst. But it's important for you to take care of yourself as a Christian. Because when you begin to slip into these levels, something bad is about to happen. The first level is depression. That was a depression. depression. Low spirit. Gloominess. Have you seen people just gloomy all day? That is not from God. 
You've got to snap out of it. Are you listening to me? Low spirit. Uh, dejection. This gloominess. This sadness. This heaviness that, you, that it's on you. You've got to snap out of it. And every Christian can. But if you let it stay, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to lead you to the next level. Snap out of it. Tell someone, snap out of it. Now, at this level, a Christian can help himself. You don't need anyone to help you. You can take responsibility and get out of your depression. Get out of your gloominess. Get out of this moodiness. Get out of it. Get out of it. Get out of it. Now, when someone, now one of the ways that demons enter people is through is when they are mourning for the dead. Listen carefully. There is nothing wrong in mourning for your dead. But don't stay in it for too long. Demons will come in. Demons will come in. Wait. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. That's not in my text, but I'm going to read it because it just came to me. Luke chapter 4. <coughs> Be careful. I'm telling you. Be careful. You know, when you lose a loved one, it hurts. It really hurts. And I've said it before, you know, you don't go there and start, you know, you that go to console them, oh, it's okay, don't worry. No, you don't know what they are dealing with. But you've got to snap out of it at some point. You've got to pray and ask the Lord to help you get out of this thing. Because the enemy is going to take advantage of you if you continue. The Bible says there is a time to mourn. And there is a time to what? That's a time to rejoice. Sorrow may endure for when? For the night or season. But joy cometh when? There, you've got to come out of sorrowing. You've got to come out of mourning. You've got to come into joy. Because if you don't come into joy, Satan is going to take advantage of you. Have you found Luke chapter 4? Look at verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearts. To heal who? Good. To preach deliverance to who? The captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Watch this now. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Are you seeing that? To set at liberty them that are bruised. To set at liberty them that are bruised. When something like death happens, it's like you are bruised. And there is, there is a wound. Are you listening to me? There is like a sore. You've got to heal. You've got to yield to the Lord and ask the Lord to heal you. And the Lord wants to heal you. There's going to be people around you to console you. But you've, ultimately, you've got to go to the Holy Ghost and ask the Comforter. To comfort you. You can't stay grieving and mourning for one year. For two years. You're going to open your, up yourself to demons. Are you listening to me? So this is one of the ways. And, and that's not really what I initially planned to say. But 
But it's important that I say that, that those who are mourning need to come to the place of joy. To the place of what? The place of joy. That one say joy. joy. Praise God. He turns my mourning into what? Come on, he turns my mourning into what? Into dancing. The Bible says in Isaiah 61 verse 3, to console those who mourn in Zion. Zion is a, it's a prophetic term for the church. That one says Zion. Zion is a prophetic word for the church. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for what? Mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of depression. You see people. Brother, are you okay? Mm. <laughs> it's a spirit. This spirit is about to mess you up. You as a believer in Christ have authority Amen. to shake it off. I want to shake it off. Don't let this thing stay. Amen. Listen, people. You, if you only understood what I'm teaching you, this it's about your life and your destiny. Don't let, don't let this one event define your destiny. Don't let this one situation define your future. Oh, pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. Come on! What have they done to you to rob you of your destiny in God? What have they done to you that is greater than what God has promised you? Knock it off and shake it off. And tell that thing, you will never have authority over me ever again. Never again. Knock it off. Shake it off. Put your hands on your head and tell this thing, you leave me now in the name of Jesus. I will not tolerate you for one moment anymore. You go. That's how to speak. With authority. But, no. No, they don't, they don't do that, but inside, it's there. Knock it off. Tell two people, knock it off. Pastor God, but you don't know what they did. Knock it off, no matter what they do. Knock it off. Shake it off. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm not going to open myself to demons. I'm not going to open myself to evil spirits. To mess up my destiny. Great things have been spoken over my life. And I'm going to let one devil of depression. Huh? Because of what someone said. Or what someone did. Or what, so or what someone didn't do. Because sometimes it is what they did not do. Not what they did. And we carry this thing. They didn't do this for me. They didn't say this to me. They didn't do. Shut up. And knock it off. In Jesus mighty name. You are more than that. Don't you know who you are in Christ? Don't you know you are a child of God? Don't you perceive. That demons are trying to mess your life up. Can't you see? Why do you give them room? Why do you tolerate them? 
Knock them out. Knock them off. Enough is enough. This is never going to happen. This will not happen. I don't care how I feel. In the name of Jesus, I walk in the spirit. In the name of Jesus, I step out of the natural. I step out of myself and I step into the spirit and I walk in the spirit. That is the way I'm going to carry myself from today. Depression. That's number one step. That was the number one step. Depression. Number two is oppression. Oppression. The word oppress is to crush. The word oppress is to harass. Acts 10.38, what does it say? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with what? What did he do? He went about doing what? Good. And what? Healing all those who were what? Oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. So we understand that sickness is an oppression. Healing all those. Healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. So sickness is an oppression of the devil. Fear is an oppression of the devil. That's the second stage. Oppression. Number third stage is obsession. I want to say obsession. So there is depression. There is oppression. Which is to crush. And there is obsession. Now. Obsession is when your mind is fixed on a simple idea to an unreasonable degree. Should I say that again? <laughs> when your mind is fixed on a simple idea to an unreasonable degree. You are caught up in this thought. You are caught up in this emotion. You are caught up in this idea. What others see as nothing, you make a big deal out of. You are obsessed. You can't get your mind off of it. At this level, listen now, at this level, this third level, but really, to be honest with you, most people cannot help themselves. They need someone to help them. Because the demon has gone further. Some people would say, listen, when people are at this level, they call good evil. They're obsessed with an idea. They're obsessed with a thought. They're obsessed with this notion. And it's hard to knock it off. The first two, you can help yourself. This one, no, you can't. You need someone to help you. Some people are obsessed with lustful thoughts. They're obsessed about a girl. And because they're obsessed about a girl, they're going to they're track the girl. All the way to our house. Oh, yeah, I'm not kidding you. It's obsession. It's obsession. It's obsession. Now you can't help yourself. Now you need somebody to break this thing off of you. It is a persistent and inescapable preoccupation with an idea or emotion. This idea usually has no relationship with reality. You see some people, they say, oh, there are. There are people from out of space. They're coming to get us. Haven't you heard that? The whole, the whole UFO stuff. I mean, if you, I mean, if you've heard of UFO, unidentified flying object. 
Now, am I knocking it off? I'm saying there's nothing like that. Well, if there is, my God, what's my I'm covered. But my, some people, some people get caught up in UFO. They're coming to get us. They're coming to take us. They're coming to kill us. They're here for us. They're coming to move into our houses. And when you hear them talk about this, you can tell there is an obsession about this stuff. At this stage, they need deliverance. The fourth level is possession. Now, this is the final level. Possession. To possess is to inhabit. To possess is to occupy. It's to control. And humans, like I said, are their number one target. Humans are their number one target. They would like to stay in human beings. Now, there are three main things that open the door to demonic possession. Listen now. When I... You know, I look at the way things work, and I, you know, you do a study. You just, there are three main things. Three, I want to say three. three. Now, we are on the fourth level, which is possession to own, to dominate, right? To live in, right? The one main thing, uh, three, number one is. Number one is sex. A demon will quickly come into you when you are into sexual relationship with somebody that's not your wife or your husband. Especially when it is sexual perversion. Is it okay if I talk about that? <laughs> if it's sexual perversion, it's big and it's sick. I can tell you all kinds of sexual perversion there is. People are involved in. That quickly open the door to demons. Quickly. That's why if you study anything about the demonic and the practice and all of that, even in Satanism, which is the worship of Satan, they have commandments. And number one commandment in Satanism is what? Do as you wish. Do, just like we have Ten Commandments, they have their commandments too. Number one commandment is do as thou wilt. Whatever you want, do. Because Satan knows that if you do whatever you want, his demons are going to enter you quickly. Number one is sex. Especially perversion. Paul wrote, he said, do you not know that you are the temple of God? He said, am I going to take the temple of God and give it to a prostitute? Don't you know that he that is joined to a harlot becomes one with her in the spirit? 
Just as he that is joined to the Lord becomes one with him in the spirit. For it is written, the two shall be one. How does the two become one? During consummation. The two, man and wife, becomes one when they consummate the marriage. Listen guys, sex is, sex is not just lying on the bed, getting up, and having a smile on your face. It goes deeper than that. It goes deeper. That's why we encourage you, before you marry, don't get involved. When you're dating a girl, I don't even like to use the word date. When you're courting a girl or a guy, don't get involved. Don't start doing what you shouldn't do. Because you will. You might cross a line you may never be able to return back from. A young man came to me, this was many years ago. In actual fact, the first, the first year, I believe it was the first year when I joined the staff of the church, became a pastor here. A young man came to me, a Nigerian guy, and listened to me. He said to me, um, I need you to help me because I'm having a lot of dreams. And these are sexual in nature, in my dreams. Please help me. And right here, I was praying for this guy. He was not even a member of our church. He was not coming to this church. But he came here. I laid my hands on him. He fell out right here in this section. And when he fell out, he was, in actual fact, before I prayed, before I prayed, here's what the Lord said to me. Before I prayed, when he had told me his problem, uh, dreams and terrible dreams, sexual related dreams and all that. As I'm about to pray, the Lord said, tell him that he is in pornography. That's the problem. That's the door. So I say, hey, you are in pornography. He said, that's true. That's true. So that's the thing. That's the problem. If you repent, the Lord can set you free. Prayed for him. He fell out. He was, he was wiggling like a snake. I was the only one here. Prayed for him. Yeah. I told Pastor Corey. <laughs> Pastor Corey was laughing. <laughs> Over there, the guy was wiggling like a snake on the ground. Sexual perversion will open the door. So this is big. This is big. Do you not know that you are joined with the Lord? Therefore, don't take your body and join the, your body to that of somebody who is not your wife or your husband. Because when you do, there is sharing of spirits. Oh, it's getting quiet in this church. Oh. Hey, this is my message. Eh? I, should have, I should have preached prosperity. <laughs> This one is too hot, too. Hey. I should have preached 1,000-fold blessing. <laughs> huh? You guys are living. I've got time. I know this is helping you. A young lady came and asked us to pray for her. And she was acting weird. I mean, weird. And I'm about to pray. But, I mean, we were, I had to call on one of our uh, 
ladies in the church to help us. You know, I, I just didn't want to be there with her alone. I said, come help us. Help me. So we were about to start praying. I said, are you going to repent? Repentance is the key. Not praying for you and telling the demon to leave. Repent from prostitution. If you will repent, the Lord will set you free. You know, we're quick. People are quick to come out, come out, come out. It's not the solution. Repentance is the solution. Come on now, say amen. amen. If you meet somebody who is stealing, don't tell them the Lord will bless you, the Lord will increase you. No, you tell them repent from stealing. The Bible says, let him that stole steal no more, but let him walk it with his hands that he might have to give to those who need. Repentance is the key. Tell someone repentance is the key. Repentance is the key. Good. So number one is sex, sex and sexual perversion. I came here and I told young people in our youth dunamis meeting, this was over a year ago, and I talked to them about, about soul tie. You get involved with a boy or a girl, you get tied. You get tied. And some people have like 10 people tied to them. <laughs> the moment you get involved with them, all the people tied to them are now tied to you. And people, and people wonder why they have all these terrible dreams at night. When you have 10 girls tied to you. Oh, you laugh, but this is, this is so true. This is so true. For he that's joined with a prostitute, with a harlot, becomes one with her. For it is written, the two shall be one. People need to be free from sexual sin. People need, listen, I'm going to keep this hot. People need to be free from sexual sin. We're not just talking about missing heaven here. We're, we're talking about the, the devil is going to mess your life up here. For those that do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's why people look depressed. That's why people look heavy. Because when there is sin of sexual sin in your life, you can't have freedom and liberty in the house of God. Even when you pray, you don't have confidence before God. Because you know... That your prayer is not even leaving your bedroom. <laughs> you lose confidence before God. Time to repent. When I do altar, when I do altar calls here, don't just think altar calls just for those who never gave their lives to Jesus. Come. If you are not living right, come live right. And there is grace to live right. Listen, one, one characteristic of demons is, let me say it this way. Demons are territorial spirits. Now, let me explain that. <clears throat> when something gruesome, when something evil, when I say evil, you know evil, like gruesome evil has happened in a place, demons take over that place. 
they are very territorial. Even remember the case when Jesus came to cast the, the, demo, the gathering demoniac? You remember what the demon said to Jesus? Don't send us out of this country. Because they want to stay in that place. They're very territorial. Don't send us out of this place. This is our place. Because the people in that place do things to accommodate them. So when that's why you they talk about, you, you go to some houses. Honey, you remember, Pastor Corey sent you and I to a lady's house in Kutulush many years ago. He said to Pastor, he said, Pastor Priscilla, Pastor Godwin, go to that lady's house and cleanse it. Because everyone that came to this lady's house to visit her, when they would sleep at night, they were tormented the whole night. And the lady came to her and said, I can't sleep. I don't know what's happening in my house. I can't sleep. And Pastor Corey sends me and Pastor Priscilla. We get to the house in Kutulush and we find this charm, this thing that's been concocted. And they, they've placed it somewhere in the house, the former uh, tenants. And when they moved out, they left, they left it there. Because of that thing there, demons took over the house. So we got rid of it. We asked that it is thrown out. It is thrown out. And then the lady had peace and demons left the house. Because they are very territorial. When sexual sin occurs in a place, demons want to take over that place. That's the reason why when I move into a new apartment, when I move into a hotel, before I settle in, I cleanse the place with the blood of Jesus first. Because you don't know what they had done before you came. Demons are territorial. So you don't have this idea. You go to bed, you can't sleep. Your kids cannot sleep. And you wonder, what is going on? The house is polluted. Number two, big open door is drug abuse. That was a drug abuse. That's why you would notice drug abuse is, is, is at an all-time high. Because demons know when people abuse drugs. There's an open door into their lives, and demons are easily coming to them through drug, drug abuse. Many years ago, I got a phone call, and when we say drug abuse, hey, guys, don't just think of cocaine and all the rest of them. Even alcohol abuse, it's all in that whole group of drug abuse, okay? Whatever you take to intoxicate you, when you are intoxicated, the door is open. We finished discipleship class, for those of you who... Do discipleship class after service. By the grace of God, I was the first discipleship, dis discipleship teacher here. So I will get my team here. I'll teach them. And I finished teaching on this Sunday morning. And people left the church. And we went to visit a friend of ours in the evening. My wife and I were there. And uh, I get a phone call. Pastor, come now. Please, come now. Why? Come now. There is. You remember your, this guy? Yeah. Um, he's not doing well. Okay, I'm coming. I tell my wife I, I need to go to their house and I need to do something there. My wife said, do you know why? I said, yeah, I know why. He has a demonic problem. And so I go over to the house and I've told the story many times here, but I've never told the story. I suppose I've never told the story why the guy was manifesting the way he manifested. Remember the story of the guy who tore my button? Huh? Remember the story of this guy? I went to his house and when they brought him down, they wanted to bring him to the church. When the taxi driver saw him and the way he was manifesting, taxi driver said, no, don't bring him to my car. 
And that was why they called me, because nobody would allow them to bring him here. And so they called me, and I went to the house. The moment he saw me, he jumped up and leaped on me and grabbed my, my winter coat and tore my button. My wife has always laughed that a demon tore my button off. But anyways, <laughs> no problem. So I, I was about to pray for the guy, and I just knew my spirit, don't pray now. Come back the next day. And I said to the roommate, he's going to sleep well tonight. He said, no, he passed out. He's not sleeping in, my, in our house today. He was living with about six, seven guys. They said, no, he's not sleeping here today. I said, listen, guys, he will sleep and he will bother nobody. So I laid my hands upon him. I said, in Jesus' name, you shall sleep peacefully the whole night. You will bother nobody. And so the next day I go back and they said, Pastor, we were so amazed. He did not bother anybody. He slept the whole night. So uh, anyway, I go to him. I say, hey, I want to help you. He said, I said, you remember what happened yesterday when I came? He said, no, I didn't even see you when you came yesterday. I said, you leaped on me, and you grabbed my winter coat, and you tore my button. And uh, <laughs> he said, I, I, I do not know that. Anyway, I took him into the room, and I told the roommate, I said, now I'm going to pray, and the demon is going to come out of this man. And, and I, if you don't, if you are not born again, this demon might come into you. <laughs> and, and I said, I said to them, if you don't want this demon to come into you, you need to give your life to Jesus right now. <laughs> and everybody lifted their hands. <laughs> Repeat this prayer after me. That was the quickest soul winning I've ever done. Because people are afraid of demons. And they were churchgoers. They go to church. But you know, if you go to church and you're still dealing in drugs and you're still dealing in... Uh, you don't have confidence, right? If, if your heart condemns you, you have no confidence before God. Is that what the Bible says? Yeah. Don't cast away your confidence that carries a great sense of reward. Let's come into his presence boldly that we may obtain help and grace in our time of need. Is that not what the Bible says? Praise God. So without confidence, you will just think this demon will get into you. Anyway, cut a long story short, I laid hands on him. The demon came out. But here is what happened before I got the call. He finished from church, Sunday service, discipleship class, and went home and got booze. He went and began to drink. And when he drank and got intoxicated, the demon came. I never told this person this aspect of the story. He drunk and the demon came. So drug abuse will open the door. Some people, hey, but pastor, we drink a little bit. Paul, <laughs> Paul said to Timothy, drink little. <laughs> drink little for your stomach. And somebody said to me, pastor, if I don't drink, I'm going to have a problem with my stomach. So for that reason, I drink. Well, that's an excuse. Drug abuse, drug abuse. In Acts chapter 19, it tells us that those who believed, they came confessing and they repented. When a Christian or someone is born again, they confess and they repent. In actual fact, it says there in verse 18 to 19, it says they came and they burned everything they used in magic arts. Are you listening to me? Repentance is important when you give your life to Christ. Repent from everything that opens the door to the devil in your life. The last but not the least, I'll finish with this. 
that opened the door to demonic possession is participation in demonic rituals. Three things that open the door to devils in your life. Participation in demonic rituals. Participation. Don't participate in demonic rituals. Are you listening to me? And some, some so-called prophets are working for devils. I'm, I'm, I just don't understand some people. They come to a church. They, they, they're supposed to serve God and be faithful and loyal to this to a church and to the, to the Lord and to the church and listen to the, uh, the man of God that God has over them. But they, that's not enough for them. They still have their personal prophets. Their personal prophets, they consult. Who tells you that your mom is the problem? Your auntie is the problem. Your, your this. And then what happens today? If you think about how sick this thing is in so many places, they now ask for money to even do deliverance for you. You want deliverance? They charge you for deliverance. You think those are men of God? A man of God will charge you to, to pray for you? May God help Southern Africa, the whole Southern African area. But that's a big mess that's taking place there in so many churches. May God help a lot, people, a lot in Nigeria and Ghana. I'm telling you right now. Huge mess. Everybody is a prophet today. Everybody is a prophet. Where are pastors? Where are evangelists that are, their hearts are burning for souls? Where are they? No, a prophet. Because if you can prophesy, tell me my address. Tell me my street name. Tell me my bank. And everyone is trying to do that. In most places, I'm not saying all, but in most places, the prophetic has become pathetic. It's pathetic what is happening in the name of prophecy. Christians need to grow up by studying the word and not running from prophet to prophet. Are you listening to me? Where are the prophets that will even come to you and tell you, you are living in sin, repent? Where are they? Where are the prophets? Where are prophets like Elijah that confronted Ahab? That confronted the, the prophets of Baal? Where are those prophets? Or all our prophecies just about money? All our prophecies just about somebody that's do, doing this and the person must die for you to progress. And sometimes you are the one that's your enemy. Nobody's your enemy. Because if God be with you, nobody can be against you. You are your own enemy. You are your own enemy. You are the one shooting yourself in the leg. Don't blame it on your mother. Don't blame it on your uncle or your auntie. You are the one. Where are scriptures like the evil one cannot touch them? Where are those scriptures? No, because people don't want to take responsibility. They want to put responsibility on someone else. Let someone else suffer. For you, pay the price. Thank you. Very important stuff, I'm telling you.
Don't get involved in any demonic ritual. Don't pay nobody to pray for you. Go buy a bag of salt. Go buy a, a cup of sugar. Don't. People do this. A bag of salt, a cup of sugar. Bring salt and bring sugar. We'll mix it up and give it a drink. Take this thing, put it in your house. Today, today the, the, the big thing now is, uh, what do you call it? Bracelet. Everyone has bracelet. Everyone wears br bracelets now. Ministry bracelets. Some people, if, you, if you're not careful, if they, if they remove their, their pants, you will see the tattoo of the ministry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, you, you think I'm kidding. Some people, you would see the ministry tattoo right on their behind. Ministry tattoo. <laughs> Something is wrong. Something is wrong. I hope it's built on nothing less. Then Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Only Jesus. Only the name Jesus. My God, I don't need a bracelet, I don't need a tattoo. I have the name of Jesus. I have the blood of Jesus. I have the angels of God with me. I have the blessed Holy Ghost. Come on now, say hallelujah. I have the blessed Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. I have the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. I have that name. Just think of all these things God is giving to us. The blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the angels of God that surround you as the walls surround Jerusalem. So does the Lord surround you. I don't need all those stuff. I don't need to put anything under my pillow. I don't need any salt. I don't need any water. I don't need any of those stuff. I don't need them for deliverance. I was delivered. Come on now, say amen. amen. And if the name of Jesus is not enough to deliver you, then there's something wrong with you. I use one name and I say, look at the book of Acts. They did not mix all these things. Let's mix some oil. Let's mix some salt. Let's mix this. Let's give you to drink. I've given you Authority in my name. Amen. Use my name, Jesus said. That's all. Because the, the moment you say in the name of Jesus Christ, the demon sees Jesus. Not your salt, not your cup of water, not your, not your sugar, not your, my God, not your solution. The name. Everyone said the name. Amen. Praise God.